episode 79 we extend the debate the hot topic around property versus stocks and we use the opportunity to really um, dive further into some of the points that we discussed in part one and we use part two to go, kind of go into sort of advanced strategies what you can look forward to if you decided to be pro property or pro stocks um, once again we stick with the teams we continue the debate um, and on this episode, we actually um, have a bit more respect for each other and give each other a bit more space um, to learn and listen. So stay tuned. We hope you um, have enjoyed it. And one last quick message before we hit the music. In case you've missed it, we started Take Flight Takeaways episodes. So these are short, bite-sized episodes between five to ten minutes that we release every um, second week. And if you've missed it, then please make sure to check out the episodes that we have. Kabilo started us off on episode 74, where he talked about saving for a rainy day. I had the lead on episode 76, where I spoke about a great book written by an author called Naval. And Olu did a fantastic episode, episode number 78, which was out last Friday, um, about how he's navigated his career path. So in case you've missed it, please do make sure you check them out. They're very short, quick episodes, and we hope you like them. And another bonus little message, we have merchandise restocked. We have hats ready. Um, so more information will will come. And these hats are the best hats that we've done so far. So looking forward to getting this out to our amazing audience. And I think with that, we can start with the music. Guys, welcome back to episode 79, part two of the Stocks versus Property um, discussion. So before I get into framing what we're going to talk about today, we'll just do a quick round of how everyone's doing. Um, Olu, we'll start with you. Maybe you can talk a little bit about your golf uh, technique and skills. Oh, I left it, left it, left it. Or lack of it. What are you going to say, Shaw? No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Now I've been schooling these guys at golf for years now. It's, <laughs> it's starting to get embarrassing. You're trying, to, oh, yeah? you're, trying to, you're trying to take guys that used to be in a hood, try to give them a little bit of culture. <laughs> <laughs> and some of these people are are playing golf like they Charles Barkley. If you haven't seen that video, Google Charles Barkley's no, swing or stroke. Some of these guys have got some poor strokes, but no, it's been good. Um, bank holiday you, weekend, obviously. I'm going to say, you've probably seen a few strokes in your lifetime. Only, but... <laughs> not, not as much as you. <laughs> Anyways, Olu, how's the new role? How's the new role? <laughs> bank holiday was good was um, able to relax refresh um new role is fantastic hectic at the moment we've got a few like six year reviews or six year strategy reviews which is the perfect time to come in because you're learning about so many different businesses and products but it's a lot of information it's like information overload um but i'm enjoying it it's interesting um can't have any midday naps anymore so you know, what are you doing? How often are you doing that before? Fully, fully focused and locked in, so it's good. The passion I hope is your ex employer has that. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, Daniel, how's it going? Hey, I'm, I'm all good, uh, not too bad. Nice long uh, bank holiday weekend. Got myself a, a little toy, um, an electric scooter, just been playing around with that so. Yeah, bit of an impulse buy. I'm not gonna lie, uh, but it's a it's a good good fun toy so far. What made you get it in the end? <laughs> you're, you're, it's, it's not even, it, it doesn't even make sense. I saw someone on <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> I, saw, I saw I saw someone on Sunday had one. I, I had a little go on it. 
went round, got back in the car. I told Melissa, oh, yeah, I might buy one. She goes, you're joking, right? I said, no, I'm being serious. That night we got home, searching, searching, searching. <laughs> On Monday, call him up, you open today. Go down to London Bridge. <laughs> you went? Come back home. Yeah. Went to the shop. So within 24 hours, I'd gone to buy it. But sometimes they say that's the best way to buy, like quickly. Don't think, don't take too long to think. Yeah, about it. it was it was an impulse buy. I don't really, I don't need it. It's a toy. The reason, well, what funded it is one of my investments. Um, actually funded mm, the okay. One of my, one we can of get my into that. We can get into that. Wait, before one, you, one before of those, you go any further, Daniel, was it one of those liquid investments? You didn't have to like. <laughs> yeah, very liquid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Six months getting the money up. Quickly. Uh, uh, sure, I hope you included that um, selling of assets in your tax return as well, Daniel. It's within my allowance, so it's all good. Okay. In case the tax people are listening, I'll double check that. Um, <laughs> from, sure, from, no, all good, all good, man. Final last few days of uh, last week or so of uh, Ramadan. Looking forward to getting back into a normal routine, flying back to see the family and friends for Eid. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, same on my side. Um, family's good, I'm well. Um, so, that's the main thing. And what the last 10 days of Ramadan now? So, um, I've decided to come off Instagram. So, I'm, I'm literally just using the last 10 to just lock in and and make the most of it um yeah so at least for you you're probably going to free up a lot of hours in the day based on that episode that we did probably yeah probably um guys this is part two um episode 79 and before we get started if you if you are coming into this the first time we strongly recommend you to listen to part one part one we had the opportunity to split up in teams and really touch on you know if you were to go with stocks if you were to go with property why um, and everyone here made strong cases as to onto each asset class. So we discussed things like which one has more control, which one has probably a stronger return on investment, um, which one is 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 easier from a transactional cost to get into, um, where the tax advantages, where can you leverage. So I think everything that you can um, think of when it comes to stocks and property was discussed in part one. So definitely please check it out um, before coming before listening to part two. And the idea for part two, part two is to first complement a little bit on part one. So we're going to reflect a little bit more on some of the points that we mentioned, um, because now we've had some time between the two episodes to think it through. And then we want to spend perhaps the second half of part two talking a little bit more about advanced strategies. So if you decide to go with stocks or if you decide to go with properties, what can you look forward to as an investor the longer you're in the game? Um, and maybe some of those advanced strategies can actually um, tackle some of the points that the other side has made. So that's part two. That's the plan. That's the agenda. Um, now, what I want you to do also is is lick your lips and stay tuned for part three. Right? It's the final part of this discussion on stocks and property. And in part three, we're gonna we're gonna dive into personal case studies. So if the guys here are gonna share numbers to, to strengthen their case, their personal experiences. And then they can be very subjective as to why they actually go with property and stocks. So we've got a good plan for you guys. Stay tuned. Um, and we look forward to getting started on part two. So um, good with that, guys. Yeah. Sounds good. Gloves are off, Olu. Just double checking. You don't have any secret outfit changes or anything planned for this episode. It's just going to be a... <laughs> I'm um, do you want to start with a disclaimer, P? Just uh, yeah, sure. So, so I think I think, I think it's important to mention that everything that we're discussing um, in part two, part one, part two, and part three is not financial advice. Um, it's merely a discussion for you to reflect on some points to think about. Um, if you are looking for financial advice, then we would recommend you to speak to someone who's qualified in that space 
um, to really to really get the understanding before making a decision. Um, this oh, is oh. just. Yeah, just listen to Olu and myself. We're qualified, so because obviously the stocks is the right way. The that makes it even is probably fallacy. That makes um, even I'm, worse. I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing <laughs> it's, not, it's not financial advice. That makes you speak to a professional. Perfect. Right, cool. So, um, since since the stock guys started, um, look at Olu, look at Olu's face. Since the stock guys started on on part one. We decided that we're going to go with the property guys um, to kick off part two. Um, so, so yeah, just a couple of things. So, um, I was listening back to episode episode one, um, and I wanted to start off by saying, right. So, there's a there's two two or three points that I wanted to mention, and then Shaw can mention. Um, I wanted to start off by saying because Olu, it, you know, so passionately said it the same way. Um, men lie, women lie, Olu lies, numbers don't. Right, <laughs> and what I wanted to. Wait, wait, wait. Let's 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 move that back, Milo. In case in case people in case people didn't hear you and repeat that, say it a bit louder. So 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 one more time, in case you didn't hear. You. So it's men lie, right? Women lie. Olu lies, right? Numbers don't. And it and it's to dig a little bit. It's to dig a little bit deeper on the return on investment um, discussion and the point that you raised. And all I wanted to basically do, bring it back onto the table to kind of make sure that we're comparing apples with apples. And what I mean by that is um, you made a very, you made it, you made a, I think I'll say a factual point around the fact that if you look at from an asset class standpoint, right, over historically, over the last however many years, um, stocks have, have, have S&P 500 have returned sort of 10%, 10.5% compared to property, which is sort of four to 5%. But I think, Leaving that as as it loan, leaving that as a loan doesn't provide, the, I think, the best context for a listener. And so, and what I mean by that is, if you when we're in, when we're in property, what we talk about is return on investment is return based on your capital employed. So, if we talk about, if we look at the, if we compare the return on investments based on how much you've invested, I think that's also an important discussion to have, right? So, I would actually make the argument that if you look at it from a stock standpoint. Right, some of the best, comp- strongest companies' um, dividend yields are 1.8%, two, maybe even 3% at a push. If you look at property, on the other hand, I would actually argue that there's actually probably higher returns um, from a capital-employed standpoint. So, I w- I wanted to do is make sure that we didn't just leave the return investment based on asset class, and we actually spoke on thinking about it in terms of if you invest your money, how much you're going to expect um, back. So, I think that's an important point. I'll leave it there. Um, and we can obviously, when we get into the discussion point, we can, we can go back. Sure, you want to mention um, your point? Yeah, so just uh, to build a little bit on, uh, on Pierre, actually, the, um, maybe the, the point that Daniel mentioned earlier about how he funded his scooter through his cryptocurrency selling. I think the point that I also wanted to re-emphasize is this um, tax efficiency that I believe in terms of property investment versus uh, stocks and share where you can invest. And essentially, in property, what, what Pavilion and I were really... Uh, focused on and mentioning was about the cash flow. And I think Olu, you mentioned about the um, the the uh, dividends which you can get as well. Um, but I think if we focus on the the cash flow and then operating property investment as a business, I think there's a strong play to say that there's it's a lot more tax efficient of a vehicle. Plus you get the cash flow on top. And the reason why I say that I think with a with a stock, even if it doesn't pay a dividend. If it's increasing on paper 10x, 100x, 5x, um, 5%, then that's just basically paper wealth that's being created. And you don't realize that until you sell it. And upon that point of sale, then you have to pay tax rate on that. Now, with property, you can basically, with the property investment, 
set it up in a way where you can run it like a business. So you have operating expenses, so you can become a tax efficient operation. Um, as, and as well as that, you get the additional cash flow every month as well. Once you've got a property portfolio, which is at a, a relatively good scale as well. So that's just the other point that I wanted to, to highlight. If it wasn't clear in the last one, because I think there was a bit back and forth, I still believe that there is a more tax efficient way of doing this um, investment in property versus stocks and shares, where you only get that gain or benefit once you sell, and you have to pay tax on that. And then, Pierre, I think I'll pass over to you for the for the last. Yeah, one. and then and then the last one um, again to provide. I wanted to provide a bit more context to that point and, and give it its proper wrapping. Um, it's, it's speaking back to the point on low transactional fees. Um, now, that's not something that I'm arguing, but what I will say, I think the way in which it's been set up and compared, um, yes, it may be next to nothing to get into the stock market and you would need more funds to get into property. But I think in the end, people invest for a return, return on their money. So if you actually look at how much and i think i mentioned this on part one but maybe it wasn't clear enough if you if you have to look at how much you actually need in the property market to earn the same amount of money you probably need in property you're looking at a lot of capital so i think that's important for someone i think that's important for someone to understand as they're going into it right it may be next to nothing from a fee standpoint but if i want to earn 300 pounds a month or 3600 how much do i need to put in for let's say apple stock or some of the best companies in order to earn the same amount Right. And if we look at the dividend yields at maybe two percent, three percent, you're probably looking at hundred thousand plus in cash, right? Over time or or in terms of as a value. So I think it's it's important to understand that from that perspective and that lens. So yeah, those are the couple of points that we just wanted to sort of put back on the table um, to provide some context um, and have a discussion on. Thank cool. you for thank you for thank you for saying it. It sounds like you're trying to qualify what you said because you know you're trying to add a bit more meat to your previous points rather than rebuttal to what Olu and I said. And Pete, going back to what you said about the last low transactional fees, if I recall correctly, in part one, you on many occasions re-emphasize it's about someone who's in a nine to five. So when it comes to startup capital for stocks or property, it's a no-brainer that someone in a nine to five would have the proclivity to go and lean towards investing in stocks. Jeez. That's the only point I wanted to say. To be honest, Oli, anything you'd like to add? But can you guys hear me or am I frozen? Um, no, we can hear you. Can, we can hear you. Just, okay. but Daniel, just I want to just be super clear. I'm not um, contesting that point. But what I am saying is that person's expectation is to understand in order to earn right something somewhere near property you wouldn't have to have quite a lot invested into the market. That's the point the I want to make. I think yeah, the yeah. point on that one... Uh, the and point that speaks on that, to leverage. Think, no, but I think talking about that, P, is for you to get started right, you need a large sum of money with property. Whilst you're building up that large sum in stocks, your money can work for you. So what I mean about that is, let's say, for example, 20K. You can't purchase a property with your first 100 or your first 1,000 whilst you're saving to that 20K. From day one, when you decide, you know what, I want to get on this stock as a generation of wealth, you can start investing from that first £100. So when you get to that 20 k that you've invested, where it's now comparable to property, you're ready, your money's already working for you versus if you were saving a large deposit where your money's not working. Typically, like we always talk about, right, as you're holding that cash, if you're saving for a year, two years, you're, now your money's actually even worth less because you're saving to be able to get into that property game. 
So that's one way to consider it. I think, um, P, another point that you mentioned was, I think the first point, um, men lie, women lie, said Olu lies, <laughs> but numbers don't. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like, you, like you said last, um, last episode, you're being sly, sneaky with your response. <laughs> what you're talking being about slick, is... Slick. Slick, slick, that was the word you used, slick, slick. Yeah, yeah. slick with your return. I mean, that, that thing is, the fact that Oli is brought that up, that, that got to Oli last episode. He had that back and he was like, Ooh. No, 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 I got my points. I got my points, which I'm going to mention when I was listening back. But um, I, I don't feel like you've actually argued a case. Are you trying to say that property has a better return than stocks based on historical data? Or are you just saying that you can get greater yields in with your capital. I, mean, I wasn't really clear about your point. Correct. No, I think, I think it's, imp- I think what I want to do is just give it its proper context. So, so mm. you can, yes, you can make the case that stocks has historically performed better than property, but you mm. can't just leave it like that. Right. And I think when you look at return, because in, in the property world, we don't talk about our asset increased 5% every year. We talk about how much you get in based on your mm. capital employed. So I think what's quite mm. interesting is when we talk property, we talk about how much did you invest? How much are you getting back? But mm. in the stock world, you say, every year it's going up 10%. It's two different return on investments that we're talking about. Mm. So I just want to basically bring that kind of apples to apples comparison. But I think when you do an apples to apples comparison, then you're not looking at your principal balance um, in which I was referring to last week. You're more looking about basically comparing it to like a dividend stock. So if I look at dividend stock, right, most um, dividend stocks, you're looking at a range between three to 6% return on your um, yield based on your investment, right? What do you typically see in property in terms of yield? Because you sent me a really nice chart where I saw certain properties in London not getting four, three percent, right? If yeah, I compare L- London's that to the stock only, market, London's not, not the only good. place you can. Okay, London's not the only place you can buy property, yeah. but it's not only dividend stocks. I think you you refer to dividend stocks, but let's mm. take let's take a stock that that doesn't pay each month, right? Because mm. a lot of people invest into those, mm, right? Correct. And then that, what does that look like on a monthly basis? And I think also. It's important to, to, to shine the light on, on companies that are well-known, right? Mm. Big brands and looking at how much they actually pay out um, each mm. month and what's their dividend yield. I think, that, I think that's quite important as well. Yeah, because that's uh, I had that as a point when we go to your section and stuff, some of the stuff. But I think um, I think you've, you're, you're making a statement that is not based on any – you haven't shared any sort of um, financial or numbers – to back it up right you can you can you can look at multiple sources even quickly google i can share it on the instagram page where it clearly shows that the returns on pro, um stocks is surpasses the returns on um, yeah that's my point property. what returns what returns now are you referring to whichever way you count it if it's appreciation or if you're looking at um returns so you're just saying, based on you're saying- the value yeah so dividend yields are stronger in stocks than there is in property. That's what you're saying. It, like it's subjective, right? That's why. You, no, that's it's impossible to do say that, that analysis because, of, because, because you haven't got the leverage in stocks. Yeah. So let's say, for example, I you take a property now. I take a personal. Stocks. So if I if I mm. invest thirty thousand pounds now in, right? Because of because of the mm. asset that I'm getting myself into, let's say it's a hundred thousand pounds. I can ex, I can expect, realistically, it's say projected to do ten percent. I can expect eight percent in the first year. Return on my capital employed, not return, not speaking to the asset class. But that's that's the truth, Olu. 
and we can look at that in part three. But let's we can part that one to part three. But we'll I look think at that in part three. The point, yeah. the point I want to make, because you spoke about numbers, and mm. those are those are real numbers. The point I want to make is the fact that it's someone listening needs to understand that return on investment should can be looked at in two ways: your capital appreciation, right, or the asset mm. class, which I think you're referring to, plus the dividend yield return on investment, um, which some people are more focused on than 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 the first one. Yeah, I think if you're Not looking at it from a cash flow sense, I think you want to focus on um, the yield from a dividend, which, like I mentioned, you can see between three to six percent um, based on certain stocks. If you're wanting to look just more as an asset class, um, I don't think there's anyone that can challenge on um, that stocks has historically had a greater return. And then just the last point on the the, the um, taxes um, that Shuwal mentioned, I think last week we discussed that when investing in in the stock market there's many different techniques and strategies similar to properties where you can reduce your tax exposure so if that's investing in an isa which means for any dividends that you get you pay zero tax mm -hmm. on that or if it's um yeah gone i was gonna say well so what's the cap in terms of isa investment You've got twenty k is the maximum you can put in there in a annual annual basis, but that can increase to whatever amount. Um, and if I'm talking to most people, right, you're looking to invest over a period of time. So, twenty k putting that in an annual basis, and then outside of that, there's other tax advantages for getting your dividends. So, I think you mentioned in regards to appreciation and selling your stocks. I see that the same as if you're selling a property, you're going to have to pay tax on the capital gain. Okay. Can I just, before we give the floor to the stock guys, can I just say to the listeners, have you noticed that we're trying our hardest not to interject and cut each other <laughs> off? We're really trying to pace ourselves and speak um, with a level of respect, right? So I hope you appreciate the patience that we have because yeah. I can tell you now, like we both want to go off, right? So I'll, I'll, pass it on, I'll pass it on to the stock guys. In regards to, I listened to the um, previous episode and I honestly, I think um, there were some great points that came up. Yeah, great points from both sides. Um, I think there was a... I can't um, see all his face. I can't see all his face. It doesn't do justice. I need to see his face. Go ahead. Yeah, let me see if I can reset this. Let me see if I can restart this. You need to, you need to. I think it's just yeah, yeah, really, yeah, yeah, your face. Yeah, that's the entertainment value. Just give me a second, guys. And also, you can tell Olu's about to make a deep point because he makes a face before he starts talking. And then he's like, okay, Olu's come locked and loaded with something to say. Perfect. Olu's here. Yes. Like it now? Yeah, I got you. Got you. Got you. Your face is here. Let's go. Let's go. Can you, so, uh, can you, change, the, can you change the order to how it was before in case the video uh, tips are straight? If, if you can't, then just so leave talking, it. I, I, it's it's going to be long. I have to right, remove okay. you guys and then add you back in. No, no, no. Forget, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. So. I want to start off by saying, look, I listened to the previous episode and I want to start by, there was a lot of great points. Um, uh, but what also was apparent was the lack of understanding on you guys' part to, to the stock, stock market. And I think that's based on the fact that you've been heavily going down the property lane, right? You guys are experts in the property size. You had great points in terms of arguing why property was the right strategy for you guys. And I think all your points were perfect. But I think listening to some of your arguments against stocks 
when we're talking about like tax, dividends, it, it clearly showed that you had surface level uh, knowledge on the stock element. So one of the key remind, plus, I just, want, yeah. I just want to remind you, we're not disrespecting in this episode. We want to get <laughs> no, no, to no, the there's point, no, right? sorry, there's no disrespect. <laughs> but I'm saying, like I said, it's based on the fact that you guys are experts. It's because you guys are patronizing. This sounds like a manager talking started, to an employee. I started with a compliment. Like, <laughs> like, nah, you've done really good. They say you should have this they is even worse. They said this is even worse than part one. This is worse than part one. Okay, <laughs> let me scrap that. Let me start again. Let me start again. No, no, no. I don't no, want it to continue. 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 It's good. It's good. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't drag it out. Okay. So the first point I think that was mentioned is P. You said a lot of top companies don't pay dividend stock, and if I ask you guys, what is the number one company right now based on uh, market value? It's Apple, right? Mm-hmm. Number one company in the world, tech company, Groupon, they pay dividends. Now, you're looking at dividends, and I guess it's the same with when you guys look at the property is you shouldn't only think about the dividends today. You should think about, okay, what's Apple going to look like in five, 10 years' time? Because a lot of these companies will be increasing their dividends amount year over year as they become more profitable, more cash flow. That's going to Microsoft also, another top company that we know pays dividends. So there's a lot of movement to seeing that a lot of stable companies that are generating a lot of cash, the best companies are actually paying dividends. Um, the next thing which you mentioned, um, which I agree with, but I think you guys overemphasized it was the control that you have with managing a property. And yes, you do have control, but your control is dictated on the market. And what I mean about that is the market decides what the value of your property is. You can do refurbishments and everything like that. But if you put your property on the market for a million pounds and no one wants to pay, you can control how much you pull it for, but the market controls what the price is. Same with your rent. You can decide, hey, I want to charge 2K for rent in Liverpool. No, because of the market has already decided what the rental price is. And that's why so many landlords have complained about they're not seeing such a large amount of appreciation when it comes on the rent that they charge um, their tenants, because that is dictated by the market. Um, and then my last point, which I wanted to address, which I think we kept going back and forth in the other episode that I wanted to clarify that was around the passive income. Yes, property is a passive form of income. When you compare it to your nine to five, yes, it is more passive than your nine to five. But when you compare it to stocks, and dividends, it is not as passive as stocks and dividends. Um, and then just a correction of myself for the people that listened to the previous episode, I just wanted to clarify when I meant or when I mentioned that stocks guarantee an annualized return, I just wanted to make sure that I clarify what that means. So what does annualized return mean? Annualized return is you look at the returns over a particular 10 years, and it tells you what is the average annual return that that stock or that uh, property has returned. So that's not me saying, oh, this year is definitely going to be 10%. What that means is it might go up one year, 20%. The next year down 10%. When you look at the average of the two years, your annualized return is 10% year over year, roughly. So that's how you should think about that. So I just wanted to clarify that in case that didn't come across clearly in the previous episode. Great. 
Daniel, do you want to go and then we can we can move into the dis- discussion? I just stand by what I said. I don't think anything I said was was fallacy. I think it was all facts. I think it was all accurate. I think it should all be construed as how I said it. I do think that you're trying to be slick by throwing some low blows below the belt to try and catch me up. But I think that also comes down to, you know, your knowledge of the, the stock market, um, as Oli mentioned. No, no, I agree with what I said. Um, I, also, I also hear what you said. And I think what the points you've raised are very valid. But when it comes to looking in, even in the short term and the long term, there may be slight advantages on stock. However, depending on your risk appetite, depending on what drives you, and we can come into kind of a, a, a winner or what we would vote maybe at the end of part three. I don't want to let my 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 my, my, my true um, position. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to let my let my, my, my response out of the bag now. But you know, there are there are arguments on both sides which can be favourable. There's no there's no doubt about it. Um, but we can get on to that in part three. That's all I have to say. Good. No. So. so um... Before we get into, let's have a quick discussion. Um, sure, let's have a couple, I guess, response to response to Olu's points. Um, and then what we're going to do, just to remind the listeners, so we want to really, we focused on part two and get into sort of deeper and more advanced strategy. So we're going to just conclude this discussion here, um, wrap up the full discussion of part one, and then get into some advanced strategy. So if I just quickly, just a couple points to Olu's um, uh, point. In terms of the control element, I think the point was around. Um, so I can, I can kind of see what you're trying to say, but not really. But I, in terms of the control <laughs> element, um, it's more control. In a sense, it's more control than than the stock in which you hold. So, no one is going to set a rent of two thousand in a market that they went in knowing that the prices are six hundred. Um, what I mean is, I think you can influence the the you can influence the rent and the price to a level of stand to a level to a certain point based on the way in which you keep the property and the way you which you upkeep it, right? So you can't influence a stock in a similar way, right? So I think I think um, that's the element of control. Both asset classes as both asset classes you don't have full control on, but I think there's a, there's a there's a sort of edge from a property standpoint just based on that point. Um, with stock and is I, pretty and much. I, I agree with you totally there, P. My point was just more to balance it a little bit more because it sounded like you had full control in the first episode. And I wanted to just bring you back in and just say, hey, hey, hey. A bit, a bit more context. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, I'm a with more you. Context, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Of that control. Um, on the passive income, um, I can't I can't disagree. Um, I think the only thing I just my my the thing that keeps coming to mind when, when you say that is People need to keep in mind how much they need to have invested in the stock market to earn what you want to earn from property because of the leverage. So I think that's the only thing I will say to the passive income. But 100% dividends are a lot more passive than property. Um, but how much you need to put into each vehicle is going to differ significantly. Um, so that's the perspective to keep in mind. I'm sure if that's if there's something you want to add, and we can move just, on to just to, just to just to tag in very quickly on that point. I just wanted to check because Ollie, you mentioned Apple. Um, mm-hmm. what's the dividend yield of Apple? So you know, at the moment is zero is zero point seven is percent is just the say, dividend say it one more time. Zero point seven. Zero point seven. Zero point seven. So if you had to, of, yeah. So based off of zero, if you had to make three hundred pounds a month, yeah. How much how much Apple stock would you need? 
but you still but got over, a so, so, so just right. so just to say just, mm. I just want to make a comment so over the last five years the average is 1.37 yeah so 1.37 but even with that i know what they're going to say daniel i'm not sure if you're in, it's in front of you right now can you also tell me how much apple has appreciated over the last five years but let's but, let's but, do one okay. question after another so just yeah. the first question so Let's just say, Daniel, what was the average? Daniel, what was yeah, the average? Yeah, you need that calculator. What you had in part, the, part one? Get that calculator. The dividend, the dividend yield over the last five years is 1.37. 1.37 average. So I was just wondering so to get you, £300 you a month. Us, yeah, to get £300 a month on the property cash flow, which is for a very basic 100K property, £30, 30K deposit, to get the equivalent mm. of 300 a month, how much Apple stock would I need to buy? You said one point. What did you say, Daniel? 1.37. Is there enough zeros on the calculator? I wasn't prepared for this question. Um, I, I mean, to... you, calculated, you calculated it pretty quickly based off of 5% last time. So I thought on this one, you would have... <laughs> <laughs> You'd have been able to... I, mean, I can calculate it for you if you want. Feel free. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Three, six. Did you figure out? No, I'll let you do it. Okay. <laughs> I was Anyways, what, what, it, I'll what, calculate and I'll come back to you. We'll, okay. we'll make sure we we make sure we share share the number on this episode. Um let's let's move into um I think um a relevant part of this discussion, which is more advanced strategies. And the whole idea here is to share with the listeners if they were to pick right stocks or shit or stocks or property, what could they look forward to in this game if they if they stayed in longer? So um, maybe if the stock guys, oh, she was kindly brought up the number. So just to be clear, you would need £225,000 invested into Apple stock to earn mm. £300 a month, whereby yeah. you would only need £30,000 in property to earn the same. So that's cool. just, it's it's just, we, it, and I think that just speaks to that. Dividend but that's also cash that's, flow. That, that, yeah. that's also that's if you taking want, that's into, if you want the past that's if you want the dividend correct and, and that's, that's what we're gonna but that's also taken into consideration obviously i'm mentioning apple which is still a growth company so apple is not the best scenario that you'll take if you, apple is not the best investment you would take if you're looking for passive income you would go for somewhere like coca-cola or like at&t which are offering six percent five percent Based just on to, I just wanted to use the example that you highlighted, Oli. That was it. No, that was more in the response to the top companies do not pay dividends, not the mm. value of them just, paying. Just, Amazon, that top company, Amazon. Yeah, Amazon doesn't pay and, dividends. But again, you, like we mentioned, you have to look at the full picture, right? So if I'm adding to the full picture, over the last five years, Apple has gone up by over 485%. Tell me what property you have that's gone up that amount, or if you were to invest in property, you never find fair point. No, but fair point. But I think I think to Shuol's, I think to Shuol's, I think I think to Shuol's point is that the number Daniel quoted is all on paper. So I think you just need. I think we we're talking about perspectives and, and context. So that four hundred. I hate that terminology on paper. I hate paper. that terminology on paper. You guys love to say this terminology on paper. No, but the, you but, know this. Yeah. What do you mean about but this it's, terminology? It's all but, on paper. Again, we're going back to which return on investment are you focusing on? Daniel spoke to the asset class. We're, ref we're referring to the dividend yield, the cash flow per month, right? So whilst it went up 400 and something percent, it paid one point, how much? 0.7%. No, so 0.7%. On average. 1.3. On average. 1.3. So yeah. on average. So yeah. this is, it's, just, it's just people to understand yeah, but, how but, to but look you, at. But you also, but you also have to factor in 
the company may not decide to pay a dividend. They have to. It's all down to company and shareholders vote. So that's, that's, argument, still, that's an argument for us. Still, still not your side. It's still subjective. Hmm. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to give a balance. I'm just giving a balanced viewpoint because okay, the same one point three seven might be low, but it could actually be high. It could be lower in certain years. It all hmm. depends on the company. True. Let's switch. Uh, let's switch. Yeah. Let's switch to advanced strategies. Um, I think it's a good opportunity to do that. So um, do the stock guys want to go first on um, what can uh, stock investors look forward to um, if they're in this game? I think for, the, for, for anyone listening, you may not have the luxury of seeing the video clip, but Olu just did a very, very deep stretch of his neck. So he's warmed up. He's warmed up. He's locked and loaded. One thing, and I think, yeah, and I think just we could, Ollie, you mentioned something which at the beginning, which you mentioned something in your speech, which I think is is correct. Um, we're actually looking forward to this because of our limited information on the stock market. So I'm actually interested to understand what, from an advanced standpoint, you can do, right? Yeah. So, Daniel, do you want to start and then I'll chime in? Yeah, you can, you can do B R R R R. And what that is, that is buy rice, 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 and I add the essence. No. <laughs> That's one. I like that. I like that. So, rise, 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 rise. What was the last part? That's good. When it comes to stocks, in terms of stocks themselves and not necessarily trading, the strategies you can deploy are somewhat limited. Depending on your time, um, your level of sophistication and knowledge, because you can get into some advanced strategies that can put you at a financial loss. Uh, when I say financial loss, one would be short selling. So short, well, short selling is when you, your investor will borrow security and then sell it in open market in anticipation that they will buy it back for less money. Um, but the reason why that's risky, as we saw in uh, earlier this year, January and February with GameStop, is if that price rises, they have to, you know, fill in that gap from the, the um, security that they've borrowed because of margin calls. And I won't go into what margin calls are, but it means where the money's, you know, they're losing money, they need to add more money to their account to, to cover that shortfall. But the strategy, obviously, of short selling is you would borrow security at a price. You anticipate that in the long or in the short term that the price will drop. You'll then buy the security back, return it, um, and then profit the difference um, on the price going up again. So that's how you would, you know, one strategy in short selling um, there are also, um, you know, scalping is one, but that usually happens within seconds or minutes where you would buy a security, you buy a stock, um, and then within a few minutes, a few seconds, that price will go up and then you sell it immediately. So you profit on the small differences and you obviously you accumulate that and it compounds. But those are, you know, quite risky strategies. I would say very simply, when it comes to stocks, the strategies you can deploy are somewhat limited. The, the best thing you can do is really understand what you're buying in anticipation that it's going to grow. And really in trading the stock market, you're not going to, in the event that there's something going to rise in the short term, you can get the profit of difference. But look, at, usually you're looking over a period of time 
that 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 stock is going to appreciate like Amazon in the last 15, 20 years, like Apple, like what people think Tesla is going to do in the next 10 years is that that price of the stock is going to increase, increase, and it will compound as well as you start to reinvest um, your profits. Only anything you want to add? Um, yeah, I'll say um, just echoing on what Daniel said, I think in the stock market is limited um, when you want to play. Uh, when you want to do it the correct way and right. And I think we have this platform, so we have to be responsible with the advice that we give. So I think Daniel and I echo the point of buy and hold is always the best strategy, right? You can, if you look at the, and it's actually quite funny because I was listening to the um, Warren Buffett and Charlie Mungo give their, um, their annual returns and they pulled a chart where it looked 20, 30 years ago and they looked at the top 30 companies in in the industry, in the stock market. And it, then they looked at the, the new 30 top companies right now. And holding for the long term is what guarantees you the massive amount of returns. So back, I think it was 30, 40 years ago, the top company was only worth maybe it was 300, 400 million, Right. And now when we talk about Apple and these companies, we're talking about trillions. So you can see the best way to um, go about the market is buying and holding for the long, uh, long run. But like Daniel mentioned, there's other more riskier ways to see vast amount of returns. Risky if you have li limited knowledge, if you obviously have the education, understand what you're looking at, you can obviously take advantage of it. One option is what Daniel mentioned, which is the selling short. So you have put options, call options. This basically allows you to be able to trade without physically owning that particular stock. So all I'm basically doing is I'm basically predicting, understanding which direction the stock is going to go. So I'm saying, hey, I want to borrow. Let's take, <clears throat> excuse me, Apple, for example, which is trading around 230, 200 and whatever right now. I can borrow that stock, right? And if I believe that um, Apple is going to drop to, let's say, for example, 100, I can have a date where I say I'm going to purchase now now for 100 and give that person back the stock. If I borrowed it at 200 and whatever, I've now purchased it at 100. I now make that margin between that, which you can imagine can give you like a vast amount of return that you can make. On the other side, it can also do that. The um, Another strategy you can take into consideration when looking at the stock market, which our property guys talk a lot about is leverage, leverage, leverage. Yeah. You can also do that with a stock market. It's called margin trading. So what this allows you to do is basically borrow to be able to purchase a stock. So an example is a stock might cost 2000. I might have 1000. I can borrow the additional thousand. If the price of the stock goes up, I get to basically capitalize on whatever that total increases. Exactly the same as property. Obviously nowadays, the the loan to value is at a lower amount so um with property you can borrow 80 percent when you're looking at this most companies would you're looking at 50 to 25 percent that you can borrow but again that's another element of trading that you can do another one that a lot of people do right now is swing trading um which you can do on the forex etc where you're you're really trying to predict the direction that the stock is going to go so using data, a lot of this now you can see, and I think it's going to be the same with property. 
you're moving away from the passive element of investing. Now you're moving to more active way of uh, investing, which can give you a large return. But what swing trading is basically doing is you're trying to predict <clears throat> which way the stock is going to go. You pull an option to purchase at a particular time. What I typically say, or when people typically do this swing trading, what you try to do is you have sell or buy options. So what that means is you want to limit the amount of exposure risk you have. If you're doing a swing trade based on like Forex or a particular commodity, you want to have a limit to say if it drops by 5% or whatever percent, I'm going to limit my exposure or how much I can lose. I think all of this is going to sound very complicated to a lot of the listeners. So I'm not trying to make it sound simple. It's not. But I think one of the key things I just want to mention is that there's a lot of ways with when it comes to property, sorry, when it comes to stock, that you can make a large amount of return, but it's more risky. So if you look at people like Warren Buffett, if you look at a lot of a lot of the millionaires, billionaires that we know, they have made a large return through either the stock market or trading. Some people trading on the stock market, which you can't do with property just because, and maybe the guys will correct me, just because of the fact that it's such a large amount of capital you need to be able to initially purchase and start like uh, investing and flipping and trading when it comes to it. But yeah, I hope that was clear. Um, I'll stop now. So if you guys have any questions, I can clarify. No, I think first of all, I think for me, I think these are some great um, pointers for people that are interested in stocks listening to this to perhaps veer off and start researching into some of these points. Um, some of them were new to me. Um, I think the, the only question I have, it was just more out of curiosity and, and not to challenge, um, is on the, on, on the, the margin trading. Um, at what level can you actually start to borrow? Was you able to find that out? Yeah, so certain um, certain platforms will allow you to borrow. Um, obviously, they cap is is based on your portfolio. So a lot of okay. times they will. You need to have some sort of asset that you're. It's just like with property, right? They'll do background checks to make sure that you can afford it, all of that stuff. Same with stocks, you need to have a certain asset, and I think most times they say you can borrow up to twenty five percent of your portfolio. Um, portfolio is what you can portfolio yeah. value is what you can borrow um for and again so but, at, but at least but, that way yeah go on, go on Annie. i was gonna say they always advise that they they always confirm you have to agree to your consent that you know what you're doing because it's a very advanced trading strategy because of course this is away from investing this is away from stocks this is about now trading you know even contract for differences using derivatives which are a very complex type of financial instrument because you can use a commodity as an underlying, you can use a foreign exchange currency as an underlying, you can use a stock as an underlying, you can use um, interest rates as underlyings. There are many different types of underlyings you can use, but you'd now put yourself at risk of huge market fluctuations. Uh, what many people don't know is even the governments enter, for example, um, uh, inf inflation swap contracts of you know betting against inflation rate changes because you're hedging and speculating of rises or decreases in the future. But with an option contract, you have the right, but not the obligation to buy or sell at a future date at the exercise price, which you agree today. But with a futures contract, it's slightly different is where you agree that the, irrespective of the price at the future date, you have to trade um, the underlying security for the agreed price today. Then also you have forwards contracts as well. 
but with the options contracts there is a premium that you have to pay and also deposit to your margin limits as well on a daily basis yeah and but if you want more information me. sign up to my advanced um course which is going to be starting <laughs> the i'm doing a first 50 people 50 percent 50 um uh discount <laughs> But I, was good. To, I just just to listeners again and i said this before and just because i feel like we need to be responsible with our platform i always say any investment or anything that can make you a lot of money you've also got to look to say okay what is the risk of it losing you a lot of money so protect the downside protect mm-hmm. your downside so a lot of these options and why i tried to articulate was that you should always have some sort of sell option so like as you're going into a trade, if you're expecting it to swing up, have a 5%, 10% reduction where you sell and then you take that loss. Because I think on both of our sides, one thing you should learn when it comes to investing is protect your principal at all costs. So especially as we're building our wealth, a lot of us just don't have money to just be throwing away. So as you're growing that principal, protect at all costs. So don't risk everything on just one particular bet or investment because at the end of the day that's what your family relies on that's what you rely on that's your generation generational wealth so again protect your principle at all costs part three part three part three woman up to part three um no i think guys great 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 pointers on on some advanced strategies so don't you notice it's so much nicer when, when we get along can't you see <laughs> no, 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 it's not the same I'm feel... I, I want that energy i want that energy <laughs> <laughs> um cool no okay so just just a couple of things i think um from a property side um that, that investors can look forward to the longer in they're in the space um daniel alluded to it earlier um he made obviously a joke out of it and i think the very first place i'll go to um it's kind of it's advanced depending on the type of deal but i think what's what i want to communicate to the listeners is the best way in property to leverage this kind of asset class is to basically run the following model and it's basically buying a property or an asset for cash um forcing the forcing the appreciation by adding value to the asset by in a form of a refurbishment so a new kitchen or a new a new bathroom and really bring it up to a level of standard and then taking the asset then to the bank to basically get that financing and that's what is called as a buy refurb and refinance um <laughs> it's one of the it's one of the if not the most powerful strategy in the property space because what it allows what it, what it has it allows people to do is it allows you to take your your down payment that you would have put into the asset and recycle it right so as you refinance out you can then use that pot of money to then go again into other assets. And a lot of investors have actually built up portfolios uh, using one pot of money in the beginning. It's also a way to actually see much higher returns. I know that's something that, you know, the stock guys have mentioned. If we talk about being able to pull your money out, right? A lot of a lot of guys that are doing the buy February finance are looking at returns of 50, 60, 70, even infinite returns because all their money has basically been pulled out. So buy refurb refinance if you haven't heard about it before it's it's the optimal way um to leverage um a property um an, an asset so i don't know if you want yeah you want yes, to go on I'll, I'll build a little bit on um on Pavino's great point um and that's about leveraging the buy refurbish refinance and taking it one step even further and that one step further being i think Pavino, the example that he gave was an example if you wanted to do that with your own money but in the property space, what makes it even more powerful is if you're able to um, build relationship, build contacts and demonstrate to potential investors that you have this proven track record, 
and actually helping other investors with their money where they invest in the deal. So you have to put um, little or minimal amounts of your own money and basically go through that same process that Pavila has just laid out about buying, um, refurbishing it to appreciating the value and then refinancing out, but doing it with other people's money. Now, why this is also another great option is because it's actually cheaper than using your, your own money because all the money that we have, um, especially if we're people who are working and then investing on the side, that money that we receive from our salary, for example, is net of tax. So your tax rate, let's just say on average is 30 to 40%. For you to get your income into your bank account, your salary, you've had to forego 40% of that income. So it's cost you 40% to get that 60%. Hypothetical example. Whereas when you're investing um, with other investors' money, of course, there's a risk involved. You need to make sure you've got the right documentation. You've got a good track record, all these other things as a, as a, as a given. Um, but then once you've got investors' money, then basically you're committing to an interest rate to them, um, which is basically a much more tax-efficient way for you to, again, build a portfolio and help them get a good interest on their investment while also accelerating the, the buy, refurbish, refinance strategy as well. So just to build a little bit on Pavilo's point, using other people's money to accelerate that strategy even more. Well, no, so just, no, to... Oli, just quickly, oh, just a couple more points point. okay. before. Yeah, um, I think uh, some something else also. It's just a term that I kind of wanted to maybe clarify. I know Olu Olu mentioned it again very passionately in in part one. And can um, I guess? Can I guess what this term is? I know. Yeah, he said. But I'm 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 with you. We're on the same page. We're on the same page. Okay. Trust me. He said, you know, no money down type deals. I call BS. Right. The first thing. The first thing I'll say. I said that, that with my chest. Um, yeah, you said that with your chest. The, f- the very first thing I want to say to that is you shouldn't call BS on things you haven't done yourself, right? And I think and I think you provided me with that advice Ooh. on the stock market. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I think it's a well-known fact that when we talk about no money down, we, we do make it, it's not clear enough because people like to market it a certain way. But in the essence, we all know it means none of your own money, right? And I think that complements the point that Shuol mentioned, which is, in this property space, the best way you want to play is how can you leverage other people's money in order to do the deals so you can actually then receive a return. So by doing that, to what Shua was talking about, you actually didn't achieve no money down uh, form of deals, which basically means none of your own personal money left in the deal. Um, so that's it. The other the other strategy I kind of wanted to talk about, and it, it, it does speak a little bit to Olu's point in part one, um, not because it's Olu, but I think Olu mentioned a point around passive income and really understanding passive income from a property standpoint. I think, you, I think you're right in the sense of people make the assumption, oh, if I'm earning X amount in rent, then I'm going to get that every single month. Um, and that's not necessarily the case. It depends on the type of asset. Some are more smoother than others. But I think there are ways in which you can actually really secure that passive income. And this, I think, goes into more advanced strategies. So a, a big tip, actually, for, for a lot of people really listening to this and taking notes, if you really want to become successful in the property space, one of the best things that you can do is get very close with your local council, right? Um, it's one of the best partners that you can actually build a relationship with in the property space. Um, and a couple of reasons. One, one, I think there are arrangements, right, like um, supported housing, right, emergency housing. Um, councils are always looking for additional homes to basically um, put let's say people that are in need, uh, people that have maybe come out of prison that are looking to reform into these kind of homes. And what usually what they'll do is they'll give you actually a fixed contract over a period of term where they're actually paying you a guaranteed amount of rent um, for that amount of time that you've you've actually agreed, um, whether there's someone in the property or not, right? Now, 
what that entails obviously is bringing the property up to a certain standard a lot of people actually one don't know about it and two don't like the idea of having someone who perhaps is in need inside their property but it's a very great way of actually being able to secure part of your income in the property space advice i'd actually give is as you start to expand your portfolio i'd recommend 20 30 percent of your portfolio of building that kind of income right working with the council and securing those kind of contracts the other thing i also wanted to mention that's from a securing the passive income standpoint the other the other benefit about working with the councils and working with the governments and this strategy works from you know your local council and leads right up to starwood capital with ceos like barry sternlit is the fact that you can actually borrow very very cheaply working with the council and working with the government right so I can give you an example, Wakefield Council, for example, I've got someone in my network who, who actually gets interest-free loans from the council to actually do the development, right? And that's a way of him actually being able to raise the value of the property without putting his own personal money in. So there are advantages by building certain relationships with certain parties um, in the property space um, that, can, that can make the property journey smoother um, and, and less costly. So yeah, I just wanted to, I just wanted to bring that, that point um, to the table. Thanks, man. I think just to build on that theme of, of trying to make it relatively passive or tapping into untapped resources to make your life more passive, probably a lot more passive than, than margin traded, trading that the other guys were, were talking about. But I think this element of passiveness, I think I just want to mention another example where if you have a property and you have the, it's taking up time or you're having challenges, you do have other options that you can take with the property once you own it. So you can, of course, give it to an agent to help manage for you. So this is a, a way to free up your time. And it's, again, tapping into additional resources. As well as that, you can even give your properties to people who are doing rent-to-rent -rent schemes as well. So there's some great companies out there. I can give a plug to a couple if you want any. But there's some companies out there that basically take their properties off landlords who maybe don't have the time, um, they don't have the energy, maybe they're a bit older, et cetera. Um, and they want to have a much more fixed rental figure. So then what they do is they give it to another firm, and these are firms that specialize in rent to rent. Um, guaranteed. And guaranteed, guaranteed. And they basically sublet it on a per room basis, depending on the market and depending on the availability. So that's just to emphasize the passive element to, to uh, property in, investment. But, but, but you know, uh, on that point, I think sometimes one of the misconceptions is people think rent to rent is only designed for the tied landlord you can actually find property investors themselves giving their properties over to rent to rent operators, right? Because it's a way of guaranteeing some form of their portfolio income. Um, so yeah, I think, I think these are some good advanced strategies. Um, I mean, there's a lot more, you know, vendor finance, assisted sell, and some of these other points, but I think the ones that we have given are good actionable items. People can look into them, do a bit of research. Um, and actually, I think you could probably start relatively earlier in your journey than later. Hmm. I think, you know, thank you. I think these are some very good points. Um, very valuable, very valid, and I think someone can use them. The only concern is, as Pabilo mentioned in part one, someone who's doing a nine to five um, with, you know, limited time outside, this would require a lot of time, effort, resources, um, studying and knowledge to build up that, that, not that acumen as well. So it just depends on the time that the person can sacrifice. Because I can tell you categorically that with um, trading and, you know, investing in the stock market, you don't need to know what vendor assisted selling is. You don't need to know what BR, BRR. You don't need to know um, all of these uh, terminology and jargon, which makes it sound so very sophisticated. You just buy, you hold, you sell. Simple. 
Daniel, what did you call it? What did you, was it called um, scalping? Is that what you called? Yeah, scalping. Scalping. Yeah, yeah, scalping, scalping. yeah, scalping. That that sounds to me like it takes quite a long time to understand how it works. But no, I think <laughs> I think I think Daniel, in the end, the point you're making is scalping. Is... Sorry, scal- scalping. The, the the strategy is very simple. I buy now, it goes up in a minute. Sell. That's it. You're in the nine to five. But I think um... I think maybe I think Daniel, the point that you put onto the table is I think when we talk about these advanced strategies, is what people can look forward to. Maybe at a point of doing it full time or later on in, right. in their in their investment careers. No, no, um, I, I joke aside. I know, of course, they're very friendly. So it's it's um, but yeah, guys, final points just, and comments. Let me just say, yeah, sort of, sure. Before so, we bring it home to a close, can you hear me? So um, yeah, go ahead. I just um, as much as we joke around, I just want to take this time to be serious and just say to our list, you should be you should be privileged and honored for the information that you're getting from this podcast. Um, just in terms of Shiwal and Pabilo have taken years of years of studying. They've invested a lot of money in regards to getting this knowledge and from all the information, right? Go on, Daniel. Echo some somewhere. Sorry. I don't want this to be echoey for the final. I've, I've gone on mute. You might have started again. Okay. On okay. Okay, so um, let's cut this out and start again. Um, so jokes aside, I think a lot of times we, and this is one part, of, one aspect that I love about this podcast, we can have jokes, we cannot take each other very serious. But I just want to take this moment to say that the listeners are lucky and privileged to have a lot of this free information and gems being provided by Pabilo and Shiwa. They've They've studied the property space over a large amount of time, invested a, a lot of money into themselves to a point where they understand these different strategies. And I think the strategies you guys mentioned were amazing, right? Fantastic. Um, there's one that I just will never be able to truly um, agree with, and you guys can help me understand and clarify this is Sure, sure. When you spend someone else's money, or even when it's a what you class as no money down because you're spending someone else's money, how does that get returned? Is that then when you're paying, or how does that deal close? Because I think people like to say, okay, I spent someone else's money, but you have to pay that person back. And if you're paying sure. that person back through a loan, which yes, is not your own money, quote unquote, that debt is in your name, which is your money you have to pay interest on that particular money you borrowed. So I don't like no money down because it just seems like money just came from nowhere and that's not the case. Yes, you might have not had to spend money from your own physical pocket and you've leveraged or borrowed it. But at some point, if it's when you sell the property in 10, 20, 30 years time, you will have to pay that out of either your appreciation because again, 100% of that should have been yours, but you had to pay it back or you've had to pay back based on your interest that you've had to pay over the years. So can you guys just clarify that element? So just, I'll try, I'll try to clarify. Um, it, I think it, first of all, it's coming from a standpoint, if if someone today is buying property the traditional way, to Shual's mm. point, they're having to basically use their post-tax money in order to buy. Very expensive, okay. very very lengthy process, a traditional process. And um, some of our mentors will say, by the time you've actually got to your targets, you run out of life because it takes some mm. time. So the whole concept of no money down is more of a mindset 
right? Because mm. it gets you to understand that there's there's ways to acquire assets without actually going through that trading time for money and using your own personal funds. If I go back to the example we spoke about, the buy refurb finance, you're absolutely right in the fact that you actually have to pay these funds back, but you're not paying it back. The asset is paying it back. At least that's how property investors are going into the deal, right? So let's say, for example, you look at a buy refurb finance on, let's say, a house of multiple occupancy type of mm. deal, which are developing, you can raise the finance, right? Um, then buy that property with cash, hmm. forced depreciation by doing the refurbishment. And then on the refinance, what comes out of the bank, because the bank now have securitized the, the property by providing a loan, you're then using that funds to pay back um, the investor. Now, I think maybe to your point, it comes with a level of risk, your ability to pay back. But in that entire transaction, you can go through that process without using your own personal funds. And I think but you I see think, when you mentioned the part about the refinance part, that debt yeah. that you have in a bank is towards you. So that's your money in, in terms of yes, it's leverage, right? But, but, it's, but compare it to the yeah. traditional path. I think that's maybe where we need Agreed. to go. So Com I totally compare it to the traditional path, then you haven't I haven't saved two, three years to buy the property. So that's we, really where we say that's how we want people to think about no money down, right? Or at least none of your own money. Yeah. Okay. So Great. Trying to be slick. Great. Um guys, look, I tell you what, as we we haven't we haven't cut each other up as much as in episode one. I've actually enjoyed both episodes. Um cutting each other up and also giving each other a time to speak and have a bit more respect. Um but I hope for the listeners um you have enjoyed part two. Um we really wanted to sort of um, give this some time and space because we think it's a very important topic in the finance and investing world. We hope we've given you more points to reflect on. In this episode, is really what you can look forward to if you decide to go with property and stocks and the longer you stay in in, in the um, investment game. Um, so with that, we're going to come into a close. Um, and I want to say to you, um, hope you enjoyed this. Remember, um, stay tuned for part three where we talk where we really end with a bang we talk about our personal cases and we give our personal reasons without it being challenged as to why it's property or stocks are we dropping are we dropping numbers in the next episode yeah i think we will it's it's up to it's up to no well it's up to how you want to drop your numbers if you want it's not to brag though it's more percentages daniel go ahead so thank you all for listening as p said join us in our next communal episode where we uh, break it all down in the meantime stay well god bless if there's any feedback for us any comments you have to share with us on the first part or this the second part we are always welcome to hear from you um, our trusted and valuable listeners you can find us on instagram at take flight podcast or email us at take flight podcast at gmail.com stay well we'll see you soon take off take flight